Hello and welcome to this OREX podcast. My name is Esther Renfrew and I am Head of Risk Intelligence and Standards at OREX. And today we'll be discussing our recent Horizon study. This follows the publication of our Horizon report back in March, which is available to all our OREX members to download from our website. I'm joined today by two of my colleagues who were heavily involved in the study, Simon Johnson and Amelia Odin. This study looks at the emerging risk landscapes and we wanted to look at how the landscape had changed over the past 12 months, how the emerging risk categories were interconnected and understanding the volatility of the horizon. I'm going to pass over to Simon to describe the up-risk landscape products that we offer at ORX. Thanks, Esther. We have two products in our risk landscape portfolio. We have the Horizon Report, which we're going to be talking about today. That's when companies submit their organisational view on the emerging risk landscape. So we look at those risks with the potential to become material risks within 18 to 36 months and the drivers behind them. We've also got our top risk review. Uh, That's where participants submit their personal opinion and we focus on the current material risks that are impacting the industry. So that really highlights the change in risk profile. We'll be running two top risk reviews this year, so there will be a chance to participate in 2022. And there's a lot of overlap and synergy between the two studies. So previous versions of both of the reports can be found on our website. I'm now going to hand over to Amelia, who's going to talk through the concept of emerging risk factors and categories. Thank you, Simon. So in this and last year's Horizon reports, we've presented the emerging risk landscape slightly differently to how we did in the past. And what we found last year when we did the survey was that approaches to horizon scanning vary significantly across the industry. We also spoke to participants about the fact that it's becoming more and more challenging to view emerging risks as isolated or standalone risks. And that's because of the high level of interconnectivity across them. We therefore agreed that a useful way to instead look at the emerging risk landscape is essentially as a set of interconnected emerging risk factors. And these emerging risk factors can be summarized across a number of emerging risk categories. So one factor may fit within multiple categories due to that interconnectivity. For instance, an emerging risk factor could be the growing concern around skill shortages, which may fit within the people-related category, but also may fit within some of the digital and technology-related categories. So I'll pause there and hand over to you, Esther, to take us through this year's ranking. Thanks. So in terms of the top five risks that we saw in in this year's Horizon study, first of all, it was advanced cybercrime. In second position, it was digital strategies. In third, emerging technologies. Fourth, operational resilience. And in fifth place was complex data. I'll pass over to you guys to talk a little bit more about those. Yep. So I'll start with some of the key themes from this year's report. And firstly, we've got the theme around digital change. And from an emerging risk point of view, that typically relates to adopting emerging technology to support strategic objectives. Uh, And some of the general considerations are around the risks associated with, with rapid change, but then also concerns to do with the use of some of these specific technologies. Then secondly and thirdly, staying in the digital space, it's one, the rapidly advancing uh, cyber threat landscape. And secondly, challenges surrounding the role of increasingly complex, but also valuable data. And then the final theme I'll mention is around people and skills. So competition for specific skills and also retention of those skills. 
uh, and they're typically data analytics and, and quant skills. So Simon, I'll let you go through some of the surprises we saw in this year's ranking. Yeah, I think we were expecting to see the technological threat as the key emerging risks. And so the top three emerging risks all revolve around tech disruption, really. So as Esther said, advanced cybercrime is the top emerging threat. And that was driven by an increasing concern over cyber warfare. So both in terms of players and tactics driven in part by geopolitical turbulence and increasing nation-state involvement and subsequent volatility, but also a reduction in barriers to entry, with established cyber criminal firms offering a range of pay-to-play and rented services. So cybercrime as a service is evolving. And then also cyber criminal sophistication is leading to a wider demographic of susceptible customers as well. In terms of digital strategy, well, it rose up the rankings and this covers how firms adopt new technology and respond to digital disruption in the market, with respondents noting that firms are having to formulate a response to the external volatility and making the wrong choices at the wrong time will impact their risk profile significantly. And then we had emerging tech in third. So really, that was driven by um, current and future skills shortages. And additionally, we're seeing sort of worry over particular technology. So, for instance, AI and how firms use AI for human interaction was a key question for a number of participants. So I think they were probably expected. I think some of the things that were unexpected and what we were surprised were was around the fall in climate. So climate and natural disaster fell down the rankings and also geopolitics as well. That's due to a variety of reasons. But potentially sort of the timing of the survey, some of the uncertainty around climate risk, also just general other more immediate priorities. And I think we could probably get into those subjects in a little bit more detail later in the podcast. Esther, I think it's over to you for some specific questions. Yes, I was going to actually ask about climate and natural catastrophe, but you've given us some insights on that. So perhaps if I go on to emerging technologies, Amelia, do you think there are particular technologies that are of concern? Yeah, definitely. Uh, We did ask participants for more detail on a number of technologies, but we also asked how they would rank some of the technologies we'd put forward in terms of emerging risk concern. And at the top of the list, Simon, you mentioned it already, was artificial intelligence and, and also with that machine learning. So while this type of technology offers lots of opportunities to support things like modeling and decision making, It's also reliant on the quality and integrity of the data that goes into it and therefore could also be vulnerable to things like algorithm biases. And then the other concern with AI and machine learning is is around how the technology is being used by cyber criminals to enhance their activity as well. So, for example, via the use of deep learning used to make deep fake videos. And then in second place are application programming interfaces or APIs. Again, These have lots of potential to enhance and benefit operations and connect data, but there are some specific challenges and concerns around data management and governance. So so they would be the top two. Okay, moving on to complex data, Simon, what are the main emerging data challenges that people are experiencing? Yeah, I think data management is a key material threat at the moment, but there are three emerging data challenges that are now becoming clear. Firstly, I think organizations often work with multiple unconnected systems, highlighting 
the volume and the complexity of the data that needs to be organized and standardized for it to be valuable. And then in terms of failing to connect internal systems, that's leading to a disconnected view of the customer and consequently an inability to understand customer needs and customer wants, and that's impacting future business decisions and then subsequently performance. And then finally, to optimize the use of emerging technologies, organizations must prioritize data availability, quality, and consistency, whilst recognizing the need to balance data utilization and data ethics. Thanks. Um, A final question, Emilia. This survey was conducted before the conflict began in Ukraine. Do we make any reference to that in in the report? And and how do you think that will impact the emerging risk landscape? Uh, We do reference the conflict throughout the report. And we've highlighted the areas where we think responses and results could have looked significantly different if we'd done the survey at a slightly later time. We've also provided an overview of how the crisis would impact both current and future risk profiles. In terms of next year's emerging risk review, I think the main change we'd expect to see would be a more externally focused emerging risk review than than what we saw this year. Um, And that would be with greater emphasis on macro environmental factors such as geopolitics and macroeconomics. We'd still expect advanced cybercrime as a category to continue to feature at or very close to the top of the list. Um, And then finally, more generally speaking, we'd probably expect horizon scanning methodologies and the regularity with which they're being carried out to have evolved and progressed. So we're already hearing in the community that emerging risk analysis is a priority and a focus area for 2022. Great. Well, thank you very much uh, to everyone who's listening to our podcast on our Horizon study. The full Horizon report is available to our OREX members on our member website and is available to download there. If you're not a member and would like to inquire about it, please consult www.orx.org. In the report, you'll find additional analysis and coverage of the survey responses and some additional insight into emerging risk categories, as well as the interconnected nature of the landscape. Right. Thanks, Simon and Amelia. I'd now like to hand over to the OREX news team, who are going to look at the top five losses and do a piece on cyber warfare. Hello and welcome. My name is Lily Richardson. I'm the OREX news manager. In case you haven't heard of ORX News, we're a subscription service from ORX, which covers publicly reported operational risk loss events in the financial sector from across the globe. And now I'd like to introduce Fern, the ORX News Assistant Manager for Editorial. Thank you, Lily. Hi, everyone. In this month's episode, we'll take a brief look at the top five largest losses from March 2022, all reported in US dollars. We'll also give you an overview of two stories in our system about cyber warfare, specifically relating to SWIFT and hacktivism. For this podcast, I'm joined again by Natasha, one of our foreign news researchers, who will kick us off with the top five. Thanks, Fern. So in fifth, BNY Mellon was fined 12 million for systemic outsourcing breaches. In fourth, City National Rochdale agreed to pay over 30 million for undisclosed conflicts of interest. In third, USAA received penalties totaling 140 million for AML and SARS reporting failures. In second, Barclays was expecting to lose 593 million when it buys back over issued ETNs. 
And the largest loss of March 2022 was to Sky Mavis, who lost over 625 million when hackers accessed the validator nodes of the blockchain it used for its video game, Axie Infinity. Thanks, Natasha. And now we are moving on to this month's key topic, cyber warfare. It's usually hard to say who is behind a cyber attack. That's why we've chosen to discuss two stories with clear threat actors about the SWIFT payment system and hacktivism. So in February 2021, the US Department of Justice unsealed a federal indictment charging three North Korean computer programmers with a range of cyber crimes. These included the theft of $81 million from Bangladesh Bank's account with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. This event is otherwise known as the Lazarus Heist. $81 million, that's incredible. How did, how did the hackers manage this? So the hackers gained unauthorized access to Bangladesh Bank's computer network by initiating cyber attacks with spear phishing emails. They actually tracked down bank employees using LinkedIn and Facebook and then sent them fake job application emails with an attached zip file that allegedly contained a resume. Instead, this zip file contained malware that the hackers had developed and which at least three employees opened and downloaded. This happened in January 2015, a year before the theft. The hackers then spent that following year harvesting login credentials to further infiltrate the bank's computer network until they got into the bank's SWIFT system in January 2016. That's extraordinary. Didn't the bank have controls in place to prevent this kind of infiltration to their systems? Yes and no. Uh, when the attackers hacked into subsequent computers, they would wipe their viruses from previous machines. So IT staff would think that they had removed these threats. The bank also lacked the appropriate firewall and switches for its SWIFT network connection and it allegedly failed to follow SWIFT security protocols. Equally, similar glitches with the bank's SWIFT system and SWIFT printer had happened before, so managers simply assumed it was a common printer issue instead of a significant threat. What happened once the hackers got access to the SWIFT system? The malware modified the bank's Access Alliance software code to conceal that the hackers were manipulating a database and a printer that logged its activity over the SWIFT network. Why did the hackers want to control a printer? Well, the printer produced hard copies of transfers made through its SWIFT system. And this is how the bank discovered the theft, as the printer tray was empty when there should have been records printed overnight. When the printer resumed operations the following day, it revealed dozens of messages from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York asking for clarification about the suspicious transactions. The hackers had really well-timed this attack to coincide with Friday prayers and then the weekends in Bangladesh and the USA, as well as the Lunar New Year in Asia, which caused misaligned business hours. So overall, it actually took Bangladesh Bank several days and contacting SWIFT and the Federal Reserve Bank of New York to discover that the hackers had tried to steal $951 million. How much did they actually steal? Well, they actually only managed to steal $101 million as only a few of the transactions went through before the Federal Reserve Bank's sanction system flagged a word that appeared in both a sanctioned vessel's name and in the bank branch address that the hackers were sending money to in the Philippines. This was pure fluke, but it prompted the Federal Reserve Bank to review and then stop these transfers. Who are the hackers behind such an elaborate attack? 
They were members of the Reconnaissance General Bureau, a state-sponsored military intelligence agency in North Korea, which engaged in criminal hacking, and their unit is often known as the Lazarus Group. Did the Lazarus Group attack any other banks? Yep, they did. They hacked into and stole $110 million from Bankomext and $6 million from Bank Islami, as well as others that you can find covered separately on ORX News. Following these attacks, SWIFT tightened its security protocols so that banks now share information to spot similar hack attempts. Moving on now, just before we finish, Fern, please talk us through a brief story about hacktivism. Sure thing. So at the end of March 2022, the hacking collective Anonymous declared a cyber war against Vladimir Putin in retribution for the war in Ukraine and hacked the Central Bank of Russia. Two days later, Anonymous released 35,000 files it had stolen from the bank. The files included clients' information, internal documents, and some trade agreements, which had been hidden from the public since 1999. These stories certainly show the devastating role cyber warfare can play in the modern geopolitical situation. So thank you to the ORX research team for providing insight from the Horizon report to shape the content of this podcast. For further details about these stories, including a deep dive relating to Bangladesh Bank and the full taxonomy used to categorize these events, please visit the ORX website. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this month's podcast. If you'd like to know more about the top five losses, then please visit the ORX website where you can find the top five losses for each month, as well as a range of operational risk reports and resources. You can also read the full digest for each of the stories discussed in this episode on the ORX website. Just search orx.org. Join us next time to hear next month's top five losses. Thank you.